you may be seated. Somebody asked me uh, earlier today, I got asked this question a couple times, Pastor are you wearing your Carolina colors, huh? And I said, no, I said, I'm wearing, I'm wearing my West Side colors. I went to the West Side Hannah game. It was a great, it was a great football game, but, but Jax, I was, I was praying for you, man. I was, because I saw the interception. He, he had a pick the other night. And I was like, God, please don't let him drop it. Please don't let him, and God answered my prayer. So I think, I think I need to be the team prayer. I couldn't come out and pray for y'all. It was great. Um, quick question, super easy, not too deep, not too spiritual. How many of you, how many of you have children? How many of you have children? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, if you have children, you, you know, what, what's that book? It was the best of times and the worst of times, right? It's Tell Two Cities. Ha, ha, see, I did a book report on it. It's the only sentence I read. But you would agree, if you've, if you've had kids, it's the best of times and, and the worst of times. It can be the best of times when they're happy, when they're cooing and they're full of joy. Those are the best of times. But, but the worst of times is when they have a, a meltdown. Now there's a difference. There's stages of meltdowns. There's like a, there's like a slight meltdown and my dad could put an end to that with a look. And then there's the, like the meltdown and my mother could put an end to that by using my full name. If she said Perry Benjamin Noble, my party was over. If she threw Benjamin in there, it was over. But then you have the full blown nuclear meltdown. Like the kid is melting down and there's nothing you can do. There is not a thing you can do. And when they're, when they're babies and they have the nuclear meltdown, you feel so helpless. I saw one the other day. Um, Cole and Addie, Cole is our student pastor. Addie is our children's pastor. They've got a, a baby named Bash. Now his real name is Sebastian, am I correct? Okay, Sebastian, but we call him, they called him Bash. Cole held him up at the West Side Hannah game the other night and let him see the football field. Kind of like, Z- like Zimba, like cold in the hall. He's like, this is your future, son. This is your future. And, and we all bowed down. It was great. But, but the other day I saw Addie and Co- and then they're great parents, but they were putting Bash in a car seat and he wasn't having it. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a slight meltdown. He had one of those meltdowns where, have you ever heard the, the baby, they're, they're screaming and they stop and you're just waiting for that next thing to come. And it's, it's like, <gasps> ah! and you're like, oh, thank God. But it was next level. And, and they're just trying to put him in a car seat. Now, here's what we all know that Bash probably doesn't know. The safest place for him to be is in the car seat. Especially with Addy Drive. I'm just kidding. No, that's, Cole told me to say that. The safest place for Bash to be is in the car seat. And as a parent, as a parent, do we not have to sometimes put our kids in uncomfortable situations to keep them safe? See, Addy didn't say, oh my gosh, you're so uncomfortable. Let me just hold you in my arms while I drive down the road. That wouldn't have been great parenting. That would have been irresponsible. Now, the reason I say that is because all of us know as parents that sometimes we have to put our children in, in uncomfortable situations, not because we hate them, but because we love them and we want what's best for them. So with all that in mind, I just wanna let you know that one of the biggest lies that we can buy into is that God just wants you to be comfortable. God wants you to be a lot of things. God wants you to have peace. God wants you to be filled with joy. 
But the last thing that God wants for us is our comfort. We, after all, we follow a man named Jesus who said, take up your cross and follow me, not take up your mattress, right? And so, so at the end of the day, God doesn't want, God will put us in uncomfortable situations because he knows that's what's best for us and that will cause us to grow. Would you agree, yes or no? So with that in mind, I'm about to make everybody in this room so uncomfortable. And I'm gonna do it with a Bible verse. Now, if, you've, if you're super churchy and you got a church background, you're probably sitting there going, there's no way you could make me feel uncomfortable with a verse from the word of God. You obviously haven't been to Second Chance. There, there is a verse, and, and, and some of y'all are gonna fact check me on this, and, and that's fine, I love getting fact checked. Um, th this verse, because all scripture is breathed by the Holy Spirit. All scripture is inspired by God and, and is necessary. Would you agree? Okay, yeah, like some says. So, so this verse of scripture. God, I hope you're all ready for it. Because y'all are like, where is he going with this? This is, here we go. If a man's testicles are crushed or his penis is cut off, he may not be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. That's a, there's a t-shirt verse, <laughs> right? What's our next t-shirt gonna be, Pastor P? <laughs> I've never seen that on a bumper sticker. That'd be kind of weird. It's like, yeah, let's just, let's get, um, by the way, we're doing, by the way, if your kids are in SC Kids tonight, this is the lesson. Wait, do you see that color and sheet? It's amazing. Um, I'm just kidding. It's, but I remember, I remember reading this verse the first time because I'm reading through the book of Deuteronomy and you get to this verse and you're like, is that, did you have to write that in the, in the Bible, God? In the, in the Bible, but it's there for a reason. Let me, let me set this up, because you're not gonna believe this. Back in, during this time period, this is thousands of years ago, the, the kings and the queens of the time or the really rich, the, social, the socially elite, they would see kids that were younger, maybe three, four, five years old, who had an aptitude for excelling or learning. And what they would do is they would take these boys and they would castrate them. And thus the boy would then become what they called a eunuch. And the reason you wanted the boy to become a eunuch is because, well, if he didn't have one of those, right? That's an uncomfortable word to say, I'm just gonna say it. He, he couldn't be messing with the queen. He couldn't be messing around with a harem. He couldn't be messing, he was single-minded and single-focused. He, he didn't have the ability to mess things up. And so, this is who you wanted working with you or for you, and you took advantage of them in order to get them to do that. Now, hold on for just a second. Can you believe that once upon a time, there was a society where the government and the super wealthy mutilated the genitals of children in the name of politics in order to advance themselves? Isn't that crazy? It's insane. Back then, we called them barbaric. Today, we call them Democrats. Um, oh, wait, hold on, what? Oh my gosh. Hey, if the shoe fits, 
if the shoe fits. So following up with this verse, I got a picture I want to show y'all. Nothing to do with this verse, okay? Completely, <laughs> sorry, like, okay, this is second chance, but that's too, too far, too far. I got staff doing this right here. No, no, no. The, the picture has nothing to do with that. Praise, praise the Lord. Can I get an amen at least on that one? All right, so this is a, this is a picture of, of the temple during the time of Jesus. It's, it's Herod's temple because he had it built. This is the holy place. This is the holy of holies. Um, now stay with me. If, if you were a Jewish person, you could come into this courtyard, but if you were a woman, you had to stop right here. And, and men could come into this area right here. And priests could come into this area right here and only the high priest could go in here. But if you were a Gentile, which meant you weren't a Jew, you had to come out. You, this is the closest you could get right out here. You could get close, but you were not accepted. However, if you were a man, if you were a man and you wanted to convert to Judaism, it was possible. But in order to convert to Judaism, you had to be circumcised, which for a eunuch was not possible. Some of you are like, where are you going with this? Hold on. We always tie it together, don't we? Don't we? Tonight will not be an exception. I promise you, this is one of my favorites. Here we go. In Acts chapter eight, verse 26, we're gonna pick up with a story. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, everybody in this room has some like people you trust and you got some people and you just got some shady friends. Let's just admit it. And if you had a shady friend call you and say, hey, meet me tomorrow night at seven o'clock. I said, you just wouldn't go. You just wouldn't go because you don't trust them. But then there's some people we have that they said, hey, come over to the house. We got something for you. And you would break your neck to get over to their house because you know that whatever they have is good. Am I correct? It's the same thing going on here. Philip, Philip was one of the original deacons. We meet him for, for the first time in Acts 6. And he's very involved in the church and persecution breaks out. And Philip goes to this place called Samaria and he is preaching the paint off the walls and people are getting saved. It is amazing. And then God speaks to Philip and says, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And I'm, if I'm Philip, I'm going, and, and, because there, there's some people in this room, and you're not gonna raise your hand, but if this was you, you wouldn't go. Because you, you need some more information, don't you? What are we gonna do? What time you want me to go? What am I supposed to do when I get there? What am I wearing? What are you wearing? Should we coordinate? Like, like we, we've got to, we got some questions, but here's the, here's the deal with Philip. Philip didn't know the what, but he knew the who. He knew that if God was asking him to take this next step, that it was gonna be good. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. He just knew who was asking him to do it. And when we look to the who rather than what and put our trust and our faith in who was asking us to take that next step, we gotta know that he really is gonna work out all things for his glory and for our good. So he said, go, go south down the desert road. Phil was like, all right. So he started out and he met 
the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch. Everybody, anybody need a refresher or we got it? Okay, good. Because I wasn't going to do a refresher. Of great authority under the Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch, watch this, had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now these verses are loaded, so let me just unpack them really quick. Does anybody love, does anybody love snow skiing? Just raise your hand. I'm not gonna make fun of you. I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. Okay, for those of you who got your hand raised snow skiing, what if I said, hey, I got a deal for you. When winter gets here, I got us, I got us, I got us a connection. We're gonna go to Denver. And we got a place to stay in Denver. It's a five-star place. We got ski in, ski out. We got a five-star chef going with us. Somebody said, you can only go to three stars. Yeah, not my world. We can go to five stars. We got a five-star chef. We got accommodations. It's going to be amazing. But there's a catch. We've got to travel to Denver by chariot. I knew there was always, there's always one person that goes, let's go. <laughs> but most people, you're like, I don't know. 1,600 miles. 1,600 miles. Now, some of you are like, Pastor B, that's great, but talk about skiing. What's that have to do with this? I'm glad you asked. From Ethiopia to Jerusalem was 1,600 miles by chariot. So this guy was interested in God. Would, could we agree? Like he, he wants, in 580, 586 BC, the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem. They, they exiled the Jewish people. And one of the places that the Jewish people were exiled to were Ethiopia. And so in Ethiopia, there was a group of people that they, they knew about the Jewish God. They, they knew about Yahweh. They knew about the Old Testament. They had, they had studied the Old Testament. They had, read, they had heard about it. But this guy, he was like, I don't want to just hear about God. I want to get close to him. So he travels 1,600 miles and he gets there and he gets rejected because he's not a Jew, he's a Gentile. And how far could the Gentiles go? They couldn't go in. And he couldn't become a convert because he was a eunuch. So he traveled, don't miss this, 1,600 miles to get rejected by religion. See, it don't matter what you do, it don't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how nice we clean up, how much we polish our lives. Religion will always say you're not enough. You're not good enough, you're not godly enough, you're not biblical enough, you're, you're just not enough. And there are people in this room and there are people watching on this line online and maybe the reason you're watching online is because you've been at some point in your life rejected by religion. You've been told you're not enough. And that's what this guy was doing. He, he'd gone to Jerusalem. He'd got rejected. By the way, with no hope of turning things around. So he turns around. He's heading back to Ethiopia. But he's reading out of the book of Isaiah, which I'm like, dude, go with the Psalms or the Proverbs. Isaiah it's like 66 chapters and it's, there's, it's so rich and it's so good, but there's some, there's some books in there that are so disturbing and it's deep, but he's reading it. He's, so he's, you can almost 
see him going, is, is this really it? Is there no hope for me? And watch this, watch this. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over, don't miss this, and let's say this word together on three, one, two, three, walk, walk it out. Walk along beside the carriage. This is what I love. He was rejected by religion, but pursued by Jesus. Sometimes we gotta get rejected by religion so we can be open to the pursuit of Jesus. And, And that's what God told Philip. Philip got down, he's like, all right, I'm at the place. What do I do now? God said, uh, just go walk along beside the carriage. And once again, if I'm Philip, I'm like, just a little more detail, God. But I want to show you where Philip is in his walk with Christ. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not here yet. I want to be here. This is a place I aspire to, but I am not to this place yet. And it's a place I'm sure that some people in this room want to be. Some people in this room probably are. And if you are, I'm so glad. But God told him to walk. Everybody see that? Walk. Watch this. I love the Bible. Philip ran. How obedient. Like, can you imagine? This is like Forrest Gump in the desert, like running. He's like, everywhere I went, (laughs) I was running. He just... He ran. God tells him to walk and he ran. I want to be there in my relationship with Jesus. Well, Perry, go. And I just go and I don't even know what's next. I want to get there. Philip is there. Philip ran and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Isn't that a great way to start a conversation? Instead of, hey, hellbound pagan man, like that's not going to go anywhere. He said, do you understand what you're reading? And I'm sitting there going, No, he's reading Isaiah, bro. He doesn't understand it. But what's what's so cool about this is he asks a question, which leads me to ask a question about what we're doing here tonight. Do you understand baptism? Because when we do baptism here at Second Chance, it's a big deal. We don't tack it on to the end of a service and do a golf clap. We stand, we cheer, we celebrate because it's a reminder that Jesus Christ, when the person is standing in the water, Jesus Christ was alive here on planet earth. He was crucified for our sins. He was dead when when the person goes under the water, buried, and when they come out of the water, it's symbolic of his resurrection, his literal resurrection from the dead, which gives us the power that we need to, to live this life that God called us to live. It's also a reminder that this person is a brand new person. As they stand there, it represents their their old self. As they go under the water, it represents the fact that Jesus has washed them clean. And when they come out of the water, it represents that they are made brand new in Christ. And that's why we celebrate. And there are some people here tonight, you're getting baptized and it's gonna be awesome. But there's some people here tonight and maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you're, you're like I was. I got baptized when I was like nine or 10 years old. I was nine or 10. I was in a Wesleyan church. We moved into a new sanctuary and the new sanctuary had a baptistry and the old church didn't. And some of you are like, well, where did y'all baptize? <laughs> we were a dead Wesleyan church. We didn't really baptize that many people. It didn't matter. So, but we moved in this new one and somebody paid for us to have a baptistry and 
and they, I, they baptized, I, I, think, I, if I'm, I think they bribed all the kids to get baptized. I'm not sure, but like I got baptized and Heidi got baptized at the same time. Neither one of us knew Jesus, but we got baptized. And then in March of 1990, I went forward in a Baptist church. Now, if you've ever been to a Baptist church, everybody stands up for the invitation. Everybody got the hymnal. We're singing just as I am. And, and somebody's got to move. Somebody, somebody's got to go forward. Like if we're on the, in our church, if nobody moved, we sang. We would just sing. It'd be, we would be looking down the road going, somebody's got to take one for the team. Listen, we know what you did last week. Just go tell him. Just, listen, you've been saved four times this year, but just get saved again, my God. It's, it's un, so I got some Baptists in here, right? You know what I'm talking about. So I went forward, March of 1990. I told my pastor, I was like, I want to join this church. He said, have you been saved? I was like, yes. He said, have you been baptized? I said, absolutely. He said, by immersion? I said, yes. He said, in a Baptist church? I said, nope, you got me. He said, yep, we got And I don't know if there was a competition between the Baptist and the Wesleyan. I don't know why I didn't count, but I got baptized in March of 1990. And then in May of 1990, I gave my life to Christ. I actually became a Christian. And I was so excited because I went and talked to my pastor that night. And I told him after the service was on a Sunday night, I said, I got saved. I asked Christ in my life, what do I do now? And he said, oh, we got to get you baptized. And I said, Pastor Gray, I have got you, man. I've been dunked twice. And he said, I know. But all you were when you came up out of that water was a wet sinner. I didn't know you had to go that far, but okay. Yeah, it's just. And it, I kind of did that thing your dog does when it's confused, I think, because I was kind of looking at him like this. He said, baptism is after salvation. And he told me, he said, there's all kinds of people in the church that got baptized when they were 9, 10, 11 years old just to please their mom or their grandma. They didn't know what they were doing. Or they got baptized as a baby. But baptism, by immersion, is after we've prayed to receive Christ. Baptism is our next step. You don't even have to pray about it. It's just something that Jesus said to do. Go public. I'm not sure I'm ready to go public for Jesus. Well, nobody had a problem when I asked you to wear the color of your favorite college football team next week. And what have they done for you? Except break your heart. That's all of us. So, Philip asked the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? And the man, the eunuch replied, how can I? Unless, okay, I just did that. I just, I just, I, every time I do it, I just have to because it's just easy. It's a preacher joke and it's just there. I'll get back. I'm not making fun of him. All right, so yeah, I was slightly. The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Now, when you're reading this on the surface, they're making this movie, you're nervous. Because Philip went here, and he don't know what the guy's reading. He's just reading out loud. And so Philip sits down, and he looks probably on the scroll and sees Isaiah. And he's like, oh, really, Isaiah? 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 And Isaiah's probably in heaven going, I made it. I made it, didn't I, Philip? You're still down there. So the passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. Now, when God tells us to do something, he's made a way. Don't you love that song where he's a way maker and a promise keeper and a miracle worker and a light in the dark? He has already gone ahead and moved all the mountains sometimes that we think we're going to have to climb. Watch this setup. This setup is so beautiful. Hollywood couldn't have scripted it any better. 
This is what the guy was reading who had just been rejected by religion. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. This is in Isaiah 53, by the way. And just a few verses before that text, it says he was rejected. Something the eunuch had just experienced. And so the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And Philip, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm Philip. If I'm Philip, I'm like, oh, you're good. You are so good. It's just a setup. It's just tell me about Jesus is basically what he said. So, so the Bible tells us, so beginning with this scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. The good news. Because he had just gotten, see, all religion can bring us is bad news. All the gospel can bring us is good news. And if it ain't good news, it ain't the gospel. Tell your English teacher, I said it just like that because I meant it. If it ain't good news, see, good news, if it, good news, it's not good advice. And I've had people confront me on this going, well, Pastor Pete, what do you do to somebody that's living in sin? You can't tell them the good news. You can't. Y'all might not know this, but at one point in my life, I had a drinking problem. And when I say I had a drinking problem, I own it. I wasn't like sipping it every once in a while. I was drinking every day for one reason to get hammered. That's a drinking problem. And I had people tell me stuff like, you need to quit. Well, there's brilliant advice. Man, you should write a book called I'm a Dummy. That's what I would think. You need to stop that. It ain't good for you. I know it's not good for me. I wake up hugging the toilet. It can't be good for me. But none of that helped me. If you've ever struggled with any type of addiction, good news is not, you need to quit. Here's the good news. The good news is when somebody finally told me, you can quit. You can overcome this addiction. You can overcome that secret sin. You can overcome that behavior that you don't talk about to people. You can live in victory. That's the good news. Not you need to quit, you can quit. And, and we, gotta find, we gotta find ways to celebrate the good news. I stand back in that first timers area and nearly every week somebody tells me how long they've been clean. First of all, I love the fact that I'm the pastor that people feel like they can tell that to. Because they're like, listen, I know what this guy is. I Googled his name. I can tell him anything. Hey, I listen. But, but I've had people tell me in that room they were clean for 25 years. And several months ago, at the second service, I had a lady come in. And you could tell God was like dealing with her. She's crying. And she, she said, I'm an addict. And I'm fighting. I said, how long has it been since you had a drink? It's like 12.30. She said, she said, 8.30 this morning. And I looked at her. I just looked at her. I said, 
you've been clean for four hours. Let's celebrate four hours. Let's celebrate four hours. Can we, instead of, instead of telling her, well, four, I mean, 8.30, let's be honest. That's a bit, but instead of going, what, when you've been clean for a week, come back or a month. No, 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 four hours. That's what we're, we're supposed to celebrate baby steps, right? So, so he told him about Jesus. And this is where it gets super interesting. As they rode along, they came, <laughs> they came to some water. Now, we, don't, we read the Bible in our geographical location. So we're in Anderson, South Carolina, where Lake Hartwell is everywhere. You can't get away from it, right? They're in the desert. In the desert. No QTs, no buckies, no, no anything. So they're riding along, they're talking about the scripture and right about the time he shares the gospel with them, they look and like, oh snap, there's some water in the desert. Is God setting this up or what? Some of you are like, how does this apply to me? Well, you need to get baptized and we got two tubs tonight. How good is God, all right? I love it when it gets practical. And the eunuch said, look, notice the exclamation point. He's yelling at Philip. There's some water. He's excited because they're in the desert. And then I think he paused. I don't know this for a fact, but I think he paused. And he just slowly asked the question, why can't I be baptized you think he was expecting to be told no absolutely because he rejected why why can't I be baptized guys if you're sitting with your spouse tonight remember remember how nervous you were the first time you asked her out like the first time you asked her out how nervous like you're just nervous. Every once in a while, I meet a guy who's like, I wasn't nervous. I just walked up to her and said, hey, baby, how would you like the privilege of spending time with me? And I'm like, you were high is what you were. You, you weren't nervous because you were zooted out of your mind. That's what was going on. I know that world. Don't listen. I know. I know. If, if it's a girl and she hot, you're scared. Listen, I remember... I remember asking Shannon out for the first time. I don't even remember what I said. I said something about she looked pretty and she smelled nice and, 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 and like you like food and I like food and oh wow, what a coincidence. Maybe we should go get some of that together. And then we just wound up. I, I was so nervous and here's why. I didn't want to get rejected. I didn't want to get rejected. That's why guys today, oh my gosh, I got no respect. Want to do something sometime, LOL. They put that LOL in there just, just to say, well, I, I mean, I, wasn't, I was just, you know, being funny. Now you're being a coward. Put the phone down, walk up, look her in the eye and say, hey, you, you are beautiful. I would like to spend some time with you. Can I take you to dinner and open the door for you on the way? All right. Every once in a while you meet a woman like Shannon, though. Shannon, Shannon, <laughs> I opened her door the first time. She's like, what are you doing? said, I'm opening your door. She said, I can open my door. I said, I'm, I'm being a gentleman. She said, I can open my door. And I said, yes, ma'am. Because that's how we roll. 
He was, he was scared. That's what I should have done is shut it back. Okay, then fine, open it. Was that you that said that, Ricky? Ricky, I got, I got one rule I try to live by. I got one rule I try to live by. And if I live by this rule, it's pretty good. Don't piss her off. I mean, because <laughs> husbands, anybody got that rule? Anybody got that rule for yourself? Anybody got that rule? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's getting baptized. So he said, why shouldn't, he's expecting to get shut down. He's expected to get told no because he, he just traveled 1,600 miles. You would figure he got some kind of points for that, but he got shut down. Now watch this. You can. You can. I, that, isn't that beautiful? In Christ, you can. You can overcome. You can walk in victory. You can find joy. You can find peace. You can. You can. Find, you can Philip answered. If you believe with all your heart. Because he had just told him about Jesus and the miracles and the teaching and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And the first time Peter preached and 3,000 people got baptized. Philip had told him all of that and he was taking it in. He was like, I want that. I want, to be, I want Jesus in my life. I want to go public for him. Why can't I be baptized? You can almost hear a little bit of desperation and frustration mixed together. And Philip said, you can if you believe with all your heart. And the unit replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Now this right here, this word believe, the way it's written in the original text, it's not just an intellectual belief. It's not up here, it's here. Because the Bible says the demons believe. I mean, there are no atheistic demons. They all believe. It's, it's not a belief here. It's, it's I want to give my life to Christ because he gave his life for me. And so he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Now watch this, this is insane. He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. That's it. Because in today's world, in some churches, Philip would have said, okay, well you can, but you we have this baptism class and it's 12 weeks long and you gotta go through it. And after you get through it, you take a test. And if you pass the test, you can get baptized. I know some churches do it that way. I just don't think that that's biblical. That's just me. I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just saying it looks pretty easy. You accept Christ, you get baptized. Now I wanna speak to the person that might be like, you're here tonight going, wow, God, it's just not time. It's just not time. It's just not time. What are you waiting on? This is the answer I get most of the time. I'm just, I just need to clean my life up. To get baptized? You're getting in water. You're going to clean up to take a bath. Basically, is what you're saying. I had a guy one time, and he said, man, I just, I got to get some stuff right. I knew it. I was like, just, just tell me. It's Pastor P, I need to, as soon as I quit smoking, I'm going to get baptized. I don't tell people I smoke, and I'm sitting there smelling the air and getting cancer as I'm doing so. And I'm like, you didn't have to tell me you smoked. I mean, I looked at him. I said, so you got a pro smoking problem? He said, yeah. I said, dude, as long as you don't fire one up in the bathtub, I mean, you know, in the baptistry, let's go. He said, you'll baptize a smoker? I said, baptize them all the time. 
baptized them for years just in the Baptist church. They would go behind the church. We called them deacons. But, but you know what I'm saying. I ain't wrong. I ain't wrong. In fact, I told him, I said, if you got a cigar and you light one up, give me a puff off that before you leave, but make sure it's a cigar, all right? I've had people tell me, I need to get, I need to get my life right before I get baptized. No. Getting baptized is our next step. And then we continue to follow Jesus and he continues to make our life right for the rest of our lives. So he ordered, Philip, Philip just baptizes this guy. The guy asked him, is there room in this Jesus movement for me? Philip said, yeah. 1,600 miles to be rejected by, by religion and 10 words and he's accepted by Jesus. Ah, so beautiful. <laughs> I love this. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. How, can you imagine? Like this surprised everybody. It surprised Philip. He's like, bloom. And can you imagine the eunuch? He comes up out of the water. Yeah. Now, I don't know what happened. I had somebody tell me one time, there's a UFO. I'm like, you have been watching way too much news. That is not a UFO. He wound up in, in Azatos, which is 41 miles away. That's, a, that's what you call a move of God. I, now, that's never happened to me. I would settle for going to Chick-fil-A and going to the front of the line. That would be awesome because I freaking know what I want and I could order quicker than most people. I'm just, I'm just saying... When, when we begin to obey God and take our steps and take our next step and take our next step, eventually he does things in our life that we can't explain. C can we agree this is supernatural? See, Jesus had a corner on the supernatural market before Harry Potter ever got here. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. God... I've said this so many times, but I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it. And the reason I repeat myself a lot is because, parents, how many times, how many times do you have to tell your kids something before they get it? Hey, nobody's ever said I told my kid one time. They obeyed. I, I feel like God has to tell us several times. The statement that I'm coming, the, the statement that I'm referring to is this, that God is not after our begrudging submission. He wants our joy for us to have joy i was thinking about this and circle back to bash for just a second if you take a baby in a room doesn't matter what room you just take a baby in a room you can be having the deepest most theological intellectual conversation in the world you can be talking about the nasdaq and the your 401k and everything and the and the baby comes in the room and an adult's IQ level, the, the entire IQ level of the room lowers 50 points automatically because we're, we're like, you know, I was looking at the stock market the other day. And, oh my gosh, you're so cute. Oh my gosh, you're so cute. You're so cute. And what we're trying to do is get them to smile. Bonus points if you make the baby laugh. If you can make, in hearing a baby laugh, just the best sound, especially when it's your baby. Isn't that the coolest sound in the world? I had two moms say yes. Everybody else, are you with me in here and a baby laugh? And won't we do incredibly stupid things? To, Did you poo-poo? Did you poo-poo? You, you you're not gonna do that to somebody in the lobby like, but hey, did you poo-poo? Did you poo-poo so we can go eat? Did you poo-poo? Nobody does that. 
But when a baby, and why are we doing this? Because we want the baby to, we as parents want our child to be filled with joy. And if that is true, how much more so does our heavenly father want us to experience joy on levels that we could never imagine? So with all that being said, I'll just ask you this question. Everybody has a next step. What's your next step? Everybody has a next step in your walk with Jesus. What's your next step? You're about to see 25, 30 people take their next step and go public for Jesus. It's about to happen. But for some people in this room, you need to be baptized. It's not about being comfortable. It's not about being comfortable. It's about being obedient. And for people that are like, I'm not quite comfortable with that baptistry. I just want to say, with all sincerity, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, I'm not quite comfortable with that cross. The cross was quite uncomfortable. But he did it as an act of obedience. He's not asking us to hang on the cross because he did that for us. He's just asking us to go public for him. And so in just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to pray and then we're going to sing. But as we start to sing, if you know that's your next step, you, you showed up tonight and you're like, I'm not prepared. We, we got you a towel and a shirt and people have been doing it all day. We, there is room in the baptistry and there is time to baptize you if that's your next step. So y'all stand with me and let's pray. Father, God, right now, I just want to pray for all of us in this room that we would have open hands and open hearts willing to take that next step and do whatever it is you've called us to do. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe there are people here tonight you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life and you know that's your next step. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins so we could be made right with God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And by praying to receive Christ tonight, he will... He will make you into a brand new person. All your person, all your sins are paid for and you are made as white as snow. So if you wanna to pray to receive Christ tonight, I wanna to invite you right where you stand right now. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. That's right, out loud, but not alone because our whole Second Chance family, we're gonna pray this prayer with you. So if you know you need to pray to receive Christ tonight, you pray this with me in Second Chance family, let's pray with them. Just say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord of my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just accepted Christ, if you just asked Jesus to come into your heart, I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. And I wanna know who you are. So do me a favor, if you just prayed that prayer, would you put your hand straight up in the air and just leave it up, just leave it up for just a second so I can see, amen. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. All over the room, all over the room, amen. Keep them up, amen. I see you in the back, that's awesome. Jesus, thank you all day long. God, thank you that we've never had a service that you didn't save somebody 
in this house. God, thank you so much. In just a second, I'm going to pray and I'm going to say amen. And as soon as I say amen, if you just pray to receive Christ, your next step is baptism. Let's just go ahead and get it done tonight. If you raise your hand, let's just go ahead and get it done tonight. Or if you're in this room and you're like me, you got baptized years ago, but you haven't done it since you prayed to receive Christ. Tonight is your night. Take your next step. Jesus, right now, fill us with the courage to know, to, to do what you want us to do. To, to, to make a move that you called us to make. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.